Okay, well, welcome everyone. Can everyone hear me even back there? All the way there? Okay, good. Um, well, we'll be talking about growing tomatoes. I will be sharing uh, what exactly what I do. I won't keep any secrets. Um, so I'll share exactly the way we do it at Eden Valley Farm. And uh, so, and I'll tell you where we get what we get and everything. So please, I will be speaking for about 30 to 40 minutes and then write down your questions. And then at the end, we'll have a Q&A uh, section where I will answer, uh, I will try to answer some of your questions. So uh, let's get into it. And uh, the name of the class, of course, is Tomatoes 365, The Art of Growing Greenhouse Tomatoes. Um, let's pray and, and we'll start. Our Father in heaven, Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to learn and analyze your creation. I pray that you may be with us, that you may give us wisdom and understanding, and uh, be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so one thing that I would like to say is that I focus more on the commercial side of things, but if you want to grow one plant, the same principle applies. Okay, so... Um, since I grow for farmers market and I we usually tend to last year this last year we planted uh, about roughly about 6,000 plants of tomatoes so it's a little bit different than a home grower but the same principles apply so uh, we'll be focusing on greenhouse tomatoes growing you may have a question for outside I will try to answer that but since I only have 30 to 40 minutes I need to be very specific and, um, in what I'm going to say. So sorry if I don't go deep into something. But if you have a question, write it down. And at the end, um, I'll try my best to answer it. So just an overview, we'll be talking about seed selection, planting methods, fertilization, disease control, pruning, trellising, and then some factors to consider. And we'll talk about what those are. <laughs> Um, so let's go right in and uh, seed selection uh, the first things to consider is what's the purpose of the crop and uh, this is something that sometimes we miss in a lot of things but in farming is very important and one of the things with farming is that you need to look ahead and you need to ask the question what's the purpose of this crop uh, with that being said so why why this is important because let's say I want to grow for farmers market I need a variety that has good transportation that can go back to the market come back and it's still fresh and not mushy now if I want to grow a tomato for my just for my personal use then I would like to explore a little bit more and be you know, maybe I want to try this variety that looks yellow and, and this one that has a little bit more flavor or, or any of that. So, or maybe I want some uh, plant tomatoes for canning, which if you plant tomatoes for canning, it's not the same as for salads and things like that. So the why of the crop, the purpose of the crop is very important to analyze in seed selection. So 
for example, I use varieties that have good flavor. Uh, that's that's our kind of like a niche. That's what we do to sell to the the the, the public. Uh, Eden Valley tomatoes are very tasty, and so we focus on that. We tried we we select varieties that are just they're just not just tomatoes. They need to be flavorful. The other things that I consider is firmness of the tomato, how firm they are, because I want a tomato that I put it in a, in a vehicle, as I said, and come back and it still look fine, or, or not, not that, I hope never comes back, but when the public takes, takes that tomato home, that when they sit around their counter, it can last a few days, and they still be appreciative of that, of that um, buy, so, of that purchase. So... That's, that's one thing with, with what's the purpose of the crop. Now, location, when it comes to seed, it's, it's one of the things that you need to consider in getting your, um, your variety of the tomato. Uh, for example, I used to grow down in, uh, in the south in Arkansas, and the tomato variety that did best there was um, Celebrity. It's a... Um, variety is called that and uh, that tomato that's very well I mean if you want to grow tomato and not mess around that's the variety you need to grow in the south now when it comes to where I'm at now which is uh, Colorado that tomato is that's okay but not the greatest and so that's some of the things that you need to look for for those things so when growing tomatoes uh, you need to look at several things, not just the soil or, or, or the time of the year, which those two things are important, but there is a, 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 a complexity of things. So, and, and this is important as well because in the catalog, you will find, um, in, the, in the catalog, you will, you will find the varieties like resist, resist to um, mildew or forcerium or any other fung fungi that you have around. So if you, for example, you live in an area that there's a lot of fung uh, fungi problem and, and, uh, and a lot of disease, you wanna look for those varieties that actually have that resistant. So that's, that way you're giving yourself an advantage point. Uh, so now, the next one is when it comes to seed selection, hybrid or not. And uh, that's, you know, let me explain a little bit what hybrid is. Hybrid is actually something that happens naturally out there in the environment. Uh, we all are hybrids, actually. <laughs> all of us are hybrids. <laughs> okay? So, so everyone is unique, right? So, but, and what happens is, is that, the pollen and variety A and variety B comes together and you have variety C. And when farmers like variety C and they like that variety all the time, so they keep variety A around, they keep variety B around and they produce variety C every year. And that's what then, uh, like this tomato right here, it's uh, one that's called Geronimo, Geronimo and uh, that variety is great. Uh, other ones like Big Dana, that's what, I, that's what we use at Eden Valley, Big Beef, 
Uh, some of you have heard of that one too. Those are varieties that are hybrid and farmers wants to go back to that. Uh, why? Because of, of, of the components that are in that variety that they like. And so the reason why uh, we use hybrid, for example, is that is that has the consistency. It looks the same. I know it's resistant to certain um, disease and things like that. So, so we use that. So it's not, it's not bad. It's not GMO. It's just simply high hybrid, first generation. Um, and that's, that's what it is. Now, uh, another reason too is because, for example, variety A may be cold resistant and variety um, plant A may be cold resistant and plant B then may be like disease, disease resistant. So you want a plant that does well in the cold and is resistant to disease. So then you have the product of C. So, and that's called hybrid. So anyways, any questions, save it for later. <laughs> now, um, non-hybrids are, are great. Um, you can, but you can uh, come across, you can come across with problems with those a lot easier than with hybrids because those are a little bit unpredictable. Uh, but I'm not against them. I just need a variety where like my position is I need to deliver. I need to bring that product to the market and, uh, and a lot of things involved. So I need to make sure I actually have something that will you know, have my back. <laughs> so when it comes to selecting the seed, I need top quality. Um, okay, the other thing is indeterminate versus determinate. Uh, what does that mean? Indeterminate variety means that they, their main line, like their head, <laughs> just keeps going up and just keeps going up and keeps going up. And those varieties don't produce as heavily as the determinate in the short term. In determinate variety, they, look, they do better in the long term. Determinate variety don't do as well in long terms, but they do very well in the short terms. So for example, if you like companies that produce ketchup, they grow determinate variety, a uh, well-known one, which is Roma. And Roma, it just, all of them at the same time, all their eggs, <laughs> and you lift up their plants, it's like they're loaded. And uh, so, and they use that variety to, to get their harvest all at once, and all the tomatoes are ready at the same time. So like if you're planning to do uh, produce tomato for uh, sauce and canning and things like that, then a determinate Roma type variety, that's what you need. If you have a variety that is indeterminate, then you know you will get a tomato today, another tomato tomorrow, and then you will spend all summer collecting ten pounds of tomatoes. You know, so uh, but with with the determinate, it's it's a lot easier. So now, since we're talking about greenhouse tomatoes, in greenhouses we use indeterminate indeterminate varieties. And so that's that's what um, that's what we use. Now, seedlings. Okay, seedlings. Um, starting trays, 
uh, the, the trays that I use for ceilings um, are either 72 uh, plug trays or, or 42. 72, 42, or 45. I can't remember the name. Actually, sorry, they're 32. <laughs> uh, 32. Yeah, 72 or 32. Um, and there are two methods, and I like them both, and I think, yeah, I use them both. One method is uh, there's these trays that have like um, just, just like ditches, like little depth in them all across. And you just throw your seeds very close or just spread your seed in a, in a, in a flat tray and let the plant germinate. And what that does is that in one tray, you can germinate like 800 plants. And for me, that's convenient because I don't have to heat up a whole greenhouse, which costs a lot of money. I can just take that tray, like put it in my bathroom if I need it, you know, where it's warm or, or you know, underneath the kitchen or, you know, the, 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 the sink there. Um, take it to a place where it's nice and warm and germinate those plants because we'll talk about a little bit more about germination. It's, it's like it has to be perfect. It has to be good from the beginning. Um, I've had uh, experience where I planted the seedlings and it took a week to germinate. I grabbed that seedling and threw it away because that or that seedlings already was with problems. You know, I had one plant that was five, five days older than the other one and I don't want that. You know, I want, I want the same days for every single plant, every single plant. So, but we'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, now, so that's the first method. You germinate them all together in one tray. Then you grab the little plants. Um, once you see true leaves, and you know what true leaves are? Um, so pretty much when the seed comes, they kind of come like this folded. They pop up, and you see those two leaves. And then what comes up after? That tomato leaves. That's what you recognize as tomato leaves. So once you see two of those little guys or girls, <laughs> you grab them and you grab the plants and um, you uproot them and then put them in your 72 um, plug trays. Uh, you just put them there or your 32s and then now, then you heat up your greenhouse and now you, you need a big space. So that's, that's one method. The other method is simply putting one seed per plug, one seed per tray, uh, one on, on a hole um, in, the, in the tray. So like in a 72 inch, I mean 72 hole plug, you will have 72 plants. So don't put more than one seed, one seed, and that, and that should be good. So uh, soil medium, what soil do you use? Call your local nursery, seed starting soil. It's a soilless mixture starter. It's, it's composed of peat moss, and there are other components that I can't remember exactly the name, but uh, yeah. perlite, yes, and, uh, and, and few others. But it needs to be soil for seedlings, seedling soil. It's, this is the, bas the basic uh, concept behind it. It needs to be very loose, can compact. The, the moisture needs to move on. <laughs> It can be soaked for forever and needs to be aerated and it needs to have nutrient. 
So, so all I do is, you know, that's the basic concept behind it, just in case you kind of want to make your own. Or, um, so, but what I do, call your no local nursery, Home Depot sometimes has a soil starting mixture. So, uh, temperature. Uh, temperature is very key for germination. You want that temperature up definitely above 65 in the 70s, uh, mid-70s. It's, it's a good germination temperature. Um, again, if you have a cold start to your crop, you will have a cold throughout your crop. So you need to make sure that uh, things actually start with, with the right temperature. Um, you could transplant to bigger trays. And, and that's one thing. So once you're, let's say, um, you're not quite ready for your, your uh, greenhouse, or you simply want your plants to be a little bit bigger, you can put from 72, you can put into 32s and, uh, and let those plants um, as well grow there, keep, keep growing. Um, tomatoes in particular, I, had a, I have a friend one time told me, he said, I met him at a, at a farmer's market, and he said, tomatoes don't like to be treated well. So, so he said he was showing me how to do the, the little transplant with the plant, and so he grabbed the root with his finger and just stick it down there. And, uh, you know, so you just leave the leaves and a little bit of the, of, the, of the stem up. And once they grow, what you do, a method that they do, and they do this in nursery, they actually grab a stick and they go like this over the plant. And that will strengthen their, their stem. Yeah. So, you know, it's like if you never went to the, to, 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 to the north and never, you know, <laughs> if you grew up in the Caribbean like me, then the cold, it's a little bit different too tolerate so you know you have to accustom your plants to wind and things like that and, and make them strong so uh, so transplanting them don't feel bad about them they will get stronger actually so uh, fertilization um, I wait till I see true leaves form like you can recognize this is a tomato plant and that's about two and a half weeks uh, to fertilize your plant. So once you see that, then you can fertilize it. Um, planting in the ground. So from seed in the soil to transplanting in the greenhouse, if you have good temperature, good fertilization, you should be weak. You should do that within four to five weeks. If you are in a tropical area, matter of fact, you can do that in less than four weeks. It takes two week, a week to germinate, about four or five days to germinate, and about two weeks for the tomatoes to be ready, and you should be good to go. Do not um, wait until your seedlings are what we call root-bound, which is they, they just start going in circle. Um, with plants, you have to keep the momentum going. They germinate, they have power to go, and once they're ready to get out of there, take them out and that's why farming and timing it timing and when it comes to farming is so important you know if I need to transplant and go on 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 vacation or maybe I don't know to if it's winter go ice skating or something you have to transplant like you have to be there to do the job plants cannot wait they need to be transplanted they need to things needs to be done uh, when it comes for farming so 
Once again, at the starting trays, um, I do different methods. I explain those two. Soil medium, uh, soilless mixture, and then temperature about 70 to 75 degrees to uh, germination. Uh, no less than 65. Transplanting to bigger trays, that's, it, you know, it works. Uh, fertilization after two weeks of, germin uh, of putting seed in the soil. And then I do fertilize before I transplant, like three days before I transplant. And, and, that, and that, like the plants are ready to go. So, and then planting in the ground, um, and we'll talk about that. We'll give more details about that later. Okay, so we have planting methods. And by the way, all these pictures are, I, I took the pictures. I, these are not pictures from the internet. Um, this one right here, uh, it's, this was in Dominican a while ago. Uh, the one on the left, this is uh, Wachita and, uh, in Arkansas. So anyways, these are two planting methods. Two planting methods. We have um, this, this side right here. See if I can, oh, there we go. So this one here, where you see the red dot, um, it's one foot wide and three feet the, the, the beds are one foot wide and the walkways are three feet. This is backwards. This is one feet on the walkway and three feet on the bed. Both system works, that's good. Now, what are the benefits when I will do one or the other? Uh, this greenhouse, uh, I'm not talking about greenhouse today, but one thing I can tell you about greenhouse is that the purpose of the greenhouse needs to be defined before purchasing the greenhouse. If you're buying, if you're getting a greenhouse for your house where you're gonna have vegetables and all kinds of stuff, that's a different greenhouse than when you're gonna fill it up with tomatoes and put a heating system and put, because greenhouses are expensive. And you need to, you know, like if you're just buying a greenhouse and you're heating it and all this thing, and just planting a couple of lettuce of plants, that plant of lettuce might cost you about $20. So you have to consider, you know, what, what's happening there. So, so anyways, if the greenhouse is designed for commercially growing cucumber, peppers, tomatoes, eggplant, then I would recommend this method. And another factor, and another, the one on the left, and another factor, when the soil is not great, this is red clay. Not, the weeds hardly grow there. This is in, uh, down in Dominican. So, so anyways, uh, this one here, I, what, what I did here was what, foot wide and about one and a half feet deep. The trench that I, that I dug, I fill it up with organic material and a few other components there. Uh, then... Then, that's, then I, I planted the tomatoes on top of that and uh, the roots will get in touch with the soil. They will get the minerals and all that stuff from there and the roots were, where there was nutrient and the rest of the nutrient that the plants needed, I just supplied that to the plants. Now this one, this greenhouse was like a multi-use uh, greenhouse. Sometimes we had uh, tomatoes, sometimes we had other things, but one thing I have to say is that usually greenhouses 
you have to plant monocrops. You have to plant one crop in them in order for them to be actually fi um, in, order in order for it uh, profitable. If, if otherwise, they're, you just spend more money and more work than what you get out of. So uh, just consider that. Um, now, this one has uh, planting here. It's as you, as you can see, the beds are a little bit wider and the walkway is a little bit narrower. Now here, on the left picture here, you have the plants. They're planted actually eight inches apart. And what I did is that on top, I put two wires to support. The supporting system has two. And then I send one plant to the left, one plant, one plant to the right, one plant to the left, and so forth and so on. So technically, they were 16 inches apart in the foliar, but on the bottom, they were eight inches, um, which allowed me to use one drip system. The fertilization was more concentrated and actually used all, all of it. So it worked great. Uh, this one here, um, I planted my tomato plant 16 inches apart square. And so 16 this way, 16 that way. And so, okay, <laughs> let's see. I have the details here. So base spacing between plants 16 or 8 inches. Um, you can have three or one for the bed spacing. And then raised bed versus deep row field with organic material. You can see the difference between these two. Um, it's, it's pretty much the same. So it depends your purpose, what you would like to do. And uh, if your soil is good, you don't need to do this system right here which is dig a trench and all that, you know, save that work for later, you know. Uh, there's plenty of work in the farm. Try to make it easy and simple. And so, uh, but here, that's the, that's the only way. That was the only method for me to be successful. Okay. All right, so fertilization and water. This is what I use for fertilization. Um, when you come to visit, we'll give you one of those. Um, the, the fertilization method that I use, I use a company called Advancing Eco Agriculture. Write it down, search it out on internet. And right there, Advancing Eco Agriculture. I don't get paid by them, so I'm just telling them what I get my stuff from. Um, another company that is not here is GrowOrganic.com. And it is, the company name is Peaceful Valley Farm. It's actually here in California, and I uh, uh, forgot the name of the town. But that's, that's what I use. Um, and you call them. They have organic methods. Um, that's what we used this last year. That's what we're using this upcoming year. And I don't think we're moving from that for a while. So fertilization method uh, I use is helps improve the microorganism in the soil. So let's say you're not using that company or you just want to understand what the company is doing. This is what's happening. It helps improve the microorganisms in the soil. And without going too much detail about microorganisms, microorganisms are like the cook in the kitchen they prepare the food for the plants <laughs> okay so because 
this can be nitrogen, this can be whatever it is, but if it's not ready for you to digest or to eat, um, you know, like a bag of rice raw, it's, it's not edible. <laughs> you know, you can eat it, but it's not the greatest. So, so microorgan microorganisms are the one that facilitates that, are the one that takes that raw material and make it into actually um, fruit and, 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 and for the plants to, to take it. So now the other thing is two weeks, uh, sorry, three days to four days after I plant my tomatoes, I add micronutrients and you can go to uh, groworganic.com and just get some micronutrient um, fertilizers and they, it has a mix of zinc, calcium, borum, um, well, boron comes are, are borum and calcium are like the same, but anyway, zinc. Anyways, all those little micronutrients, and you add it there, and that will give it a boost to the plants, to the roots. Now, follow the stages of the crop with the proper nutrient required at each stage. You know what the first stage of the plant is? To grow <laughs> so as it grows for the tomatoes as it grows you have to supply that need that food that they need to actually grow the second stage what is it it's simple this is not complicated flower flowering it flowers so you have to make sure that you're actually providing that for for the plants to flower the next stage is what fruit yes so we arrived at the fruit and then you have to provide the uh, fruiting stages. So, and then after that, maintenance. So, which is the three of them because they're growing, they're fruiting, they're flowering. And so after that, that's what you do. Now, um, I don't have it down here, but um, this is what I will tell you about these different stages for growth. The main nutrient in charge of growth is nitrogen. The flower, the blooming part of the crop is phosphorus. The third stage is potassium. Potassium. Okay. Now, in this, these are the main three nutrients. Uh, but again, the micronutrients have to be there. The micronutrients have to be there. And as well, um, one other, which is calcium. If you're having black... Uh, um, uh, black spots on your tomatoes mainly there are two reasons two main reasons for that the calcium deficiency or water stress water problem your that plant is not getting enough water so fertilization this is uh, what what we use when it comes to fertilizer so you will see at times you go to nursery you will go to you know Home Depot and you will see a fertilizer that is called bloom it has three numbers. If you flip the bags in the back, it gives you the numbers. And 100% of the time, the middle number, it's higher because that's phosphorus. And then, and it's like that. It's a universal order. Nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. So some of the things that have nitrogen is manure, fish, uh, phosphorus. You have rock phosphate. And as well, fish has a little bit as well. Uh, fish emulsion has some of that. 
and then potassium you acquire that with kelp and other seedweed uh, so okay now let's talk about a little bit drip system um, drip system is if you think about it when we read in, in, in Genesis the earth was water by rain no with a dew it came right from underneath and uh, this is the method the best method out there it was it's used but it was commercialized and kind of like the the boom of it was by the by the Middle East Israel mainly and if you look at their deserts they're green they're fruiting they're blooming and they use drip system drip system has few benefits first of all when you water by hand uh, you have like this big shower and the water just starts running off right away with drip system it, it drops and it's and it just goes down and let's say the first drop made headway an inch the second drop headway two inch the third drop and goes like this so meaning it goes deeper way deep uh, than the the new watering by hand uh, because of the the water comes out come down slow and uh, the other thing is is that when you use drip system that means that there's more moisture in the ground and micronutrients need that moisture and I think the previous class here I was listening with the blueberries is that you need you need that moisture and the organism the microorganism need that if it's too dry they die if it's if it's soaked then they're not a water creature so so you need to have that right moisture in the plant um, so drip system is great if you live in an area that water is controlled this will save your pocket and so this is very important so it has so many so many benefits I I planted I used to plant uh, lettuce um, in, a, in a in a climate with, when, where it was warm and uh, with watering I, I mean with hand water I was able to grow lettuce up to mm, beginning of May because th that, at that point they were getting bitter and when I put the drip system through August no problem wow. and so that's just what you know my experience with that and this is down in the south so it gets very hot but one of the main reasons for lettuce being bitter it's if it doesn't have water so yes when it gets old it gets bitter but if it doesn't have water it doesn't grow well and so the way I water this is for tomatoes I like to water 10 to 30 minutes every day and what I like to do is that having a timer that the, that the that it comes on around 9 to 10 o'clock waters the plants for the day and at the end of the day check your moisture in the soil and you should have a soil that is not bone dry like powdery but at the same time it's not wet yes yeah the ideal okay at the end of the day so so that's just what I do. So the reason I say 15 to 30 minutes because in a cold, wet spring, you don't need to add so much water to the soil. Uh, remember, water levels in, on Earth in the spring, it's a lot higher than in the fall. 
and that brings uh, uh, actually consequences good and positive uh, when it comes to uh, that, that water level in the soil, which I think I'll mention in, in a little bit. Um, so that's, that's fertilization. Any questions? Save it for later. <laughs> All right. Disease control. This is a, a big one. Um, one of the main things you have to do is maintain healthy plants. You know, we all know this one. We are very good with our health, you know. Um, if you want to stay healthy, you got to exercise. You got to do all these good things. Um, so start, the plants are the, are the same way. You need good aeration in the, in the soil. You need good nutrition. Uh, you need the right pruning, which we'll talk next. I think the next slide is about pruning. And um, you need to start with that. Now, humidity is one of the main reasons why plants are getting sick. Overwatering. Overwatering. So control humidity more on the drier side than the moist. So if you want to air, air on the dry side. Let your plant be a little bit wilty. Because if they're wilty, you just add a little bit of water, they come back to life, <laughs> and, um, and then that's it. Once they're diseased, it's just not good. So, um, that's, so that, that's why very important at the end of the day, that's what I said in the previous slide, is that m make sure at the end of the day your greenhouse is not soaked. Um, yeah, so beneficial insects. Uh, this is to control in, um, insects. Um, so we use, as insecticides, we use something that is called pyganic. It's, it's good. Works. I think it's organic. <laughs> yeah, it is organic. Uh, it works great. But mainly, we use this two. Aphidias colomani and ladybugs. And bumblebees. They're not there? Oh, man. <laughs> Bumblebees uh, is to pollinate our greenhouse, the flower. Uh, bumblebees have the benefit of actually uh, going to the flower uh, so many times more than the bees, than the honeybees. And so bumblebees are great. They've, uh, they're very resistant to the greenhouse environment, which is hot, humid, cold altogether. And so, so bumblebees are, are great. And, and we have had great results and, uh, with it uh, because pollinization, it's, it's, it's a key component to a good production. So preventive sprays. This is something that uh, we do a lot, which is before we have a, a schedule where we go and spray, whether the disease is there or not, we just go and spray because the in in or inorganic is about prevention disease prevention you can't wait until your disease is on you to to treat it so you have to you have to actually uh, do it before it's there so we use neem oil uh, you have to be careful with neem oil not to use it when your fruits are on the plant because it will kind of uh, stain them and so it's very sticky too so you know just use it very lightly once a month or something this one, the JMS Stylet Oil, it's, it's actually very, very good. It's organic. 
uh, is an oil-based fungicide and insecticide. It's probably one of the all-purpose best one that is out there. Uh, there is another one that I didn't list it, which is called Sonata, uh, which is very good as well. Um, this is, uh, the next point is the right varieties for disease control. And we touched on this at the beginning in our, in our seed selection, but if you would like, you know, to, if you're in an area, there's a lot of problem with disease or any, or any kind of fungus, you need to look at the variety that does better in that area. So that's why seed selection, it's a key component of actually having a good crop in your greenhouse. Um, so you have to have the right variety. Now, one thing is, and this is a, um, a object lesson, which is remove, removal of diseased plants. You know, just take them out before they infect everything else. Yeah. So as soon as you spot something, I don't care how many tomatoes it has, how beautiful it is, if it's disease, out. Because I have another 700 plants that are in jeopardy. So, so we have to take those things in consideration um, as well. So, and, and, and very, very important. Some, some people tried and they prune it and, you know, it, just take them out because that one, it's, it's not, it's going to uh, infect the, the other ones. Um, okay, pruning. Uh, this is, if you would like to prune your tomatoes, please, you know, every instructions, write this one down because... Uh, this is very important. Uh, this is at uh, Eden Valley. Uh, these are cherry tomatoes, and then we have our slicing tomatoes there. And there are different steps to this. Okay, we have the first one is up to the last leaf before the first flower stem. The up to the last leaf before the first flower stem. So if this is the flower stem, this is a leaf, everything below this. Okay? So, right? And then what that allows is that you take those first, you take the, the fake leaf, which was called, which was the first one that came out when the seed came germinated. At this point, it looks yellow and it's attached to the plant and it's just pretty much um, being a sucker, just sucking up nutrients. So you need to take those. We need to take the other ones. And what that allows the plants is to like, oh, I mean, these people mean business. I need to keep growing. And not only that, it actually allows for aeration in the bottom. Air to go through the bottom. You have oxygen. You have air going through. And then because the enemy of any fungus, it's oxygen. If you get oxygen, you will kill the bugs, I mean the, the fungus. Okay, so, and, and, and some bugs won't, won't, won't like it as well. So, just uh, something to consider. Now, the second one is, after the first ripe tomato appears, right, prune up to the last set of tomatoes with mature tomatoes. Okay, so let's say you have five sets of tomatoes, right? And the plant is about this high, about my height. And then uh, about my chest right here, there is your last set. 
that has tomato that you would say ah, in three weeks that tomato will be ripe and then you prune from that one down wow. yes yeah tomato leaves are important to the plants that's where that's where they breathe that's their breathing uh, organ <laughs> so so there is a process called transpiration which is the roots pull water from the uh, soil and comes nutrients and everything takes it to the plant makes all that thing happen in there which you need to ask God for that how it works and then it comes through the leaves and if there is no leaves then you actually killing the plant so it's not like you're gonna prune everything off of it uh, this here in um, this picture here of the cherry tomatoes you might think that it's actually like wow that's a lot of pruning but the plants are like through the roof almost so they still have plenty of leaves and cherry tomato is like a pest you you're it's hard to kill <laughs> so <laughs> i mean we we prune them and take care of them up to a certain point after that we treat them with machetes we just go there and make sure we have enough space yeah. so and, uh, and then we have cherry tomatoes coming through our ears if you can't grow tomato grow cherry tomatoes um, so okay so the other thing is is that uh, oh I was gonna say about the uh, transpiration process the reason is important to have a good moisture in the ground in the soil is because if the plant senses that is dry like too dry it will start we will get into survival mode and survival mode means shutting things down you know like what well, people did with COVID you're fired you're fired you know we're start we'll call you in a month or two uh, you know that's what they start doing so the process starts so that's um yeah another thing is is that um make sure you have one to two feet of foliage at all times so you don't want to just prune it up to their neck you want to leave a foliage okay so now there is one exception to this if your greenhouse is diseased and you have to take care of the entire greenhouse you prune them heavily you spray them like twice a week and that's you know that's just to uh, resurrect the, the, the tomato the greenhouse and then it will come back to it tomatoes are very hard to kill um, if you kill tomato I don't know what to tell you you know they're very hard to kill um, yeah I grew up in the tropics and there was a plant that we had it in our fence like in a proper line fence and um, I mean we like machete over through it and everything and that plant will come back and back and it stood there for like a year or so just just coming back once in a while and giving us tomatoes even though we treated her so bad um, so so yeah make sure you have one to two feet of foliage at all times the trellising part, this is where you attach your plants. You make them go up straight. And this is, um, talk about pruning. Forgot one thing here in the slides that I would like to mention. Pruning, you need only in your tomatoes one stem going up. One and only stem. Between the leaf, like there's like a cross like this, you have the leaf and you have the stem. Between here comes something that we call a sucker, and or um, anyways, we we prune, we take that off. 
don't wait until the sucker is like as long as the plant take it because that ha that what happens is is that then you have just a lot of the, 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 the plant can focus on having good quality tomatoes and you end up with small tomato the fruit don't taste as good and and then you start having problems like this you end up with a bush um, so so prune the suckers and uh, I'll show you in, a, in, a, in another picture, a close-up that I have where that is. So like if you see right here where that dot is, um, right there, there was a sucker that we took care of. Uh, we only leave one stem. Uh, I've, I've heard farmers, they do two. And if you're gonna leave two, if you decided to leave two, there is one, there's one main sucker. <laughs> That, you, that there is always kind of like the, if you're going to leave it, live the one that is below the first set of flower. Mm. That's the strongest. That's the one you will actually see. It's kind of like the plant kind of wants to divide there. This is the only, very, very unique. It's as unique than, than any other. So, so that's the one you're going to leave. And, but that is below the, the first flower. So you see the plant is about this tall. And then the flower is like right here, and then right here there is a sucker. It's, it's right beneath the first flower. Like, matter of fact, that sucker will come out before the set of flowers. And so, so, yeah. Um, so you should always leave that? If you're going to leave two, if you're going to leave two, that's the one you should leave. Yeah, you leave it. Uh, if not, we usually cut it off in greenhouse. With indeterminate variety, we don't leave any suckers. Uh, why? Uh, we'll come to it. So if you're leaving one, then don't leave, don't leave that second one that comes out. No, no, yes. So if you leave it, if you're going to leave it, leave that one. If you don't, don't leave any. Cut it off. So trellising. Uh, we're into trellising here, and... Uh, and start trellising your plants before they start falling over. So don't wait until the plants are like in your walkway because what happens is you're gonna damage the plant. Remember, the plant is growing. They're not waiting for anybody. They're growing and if you, if you assist them at the right time, they will, you will have a high yield. But when they fall over, what happens is in one night, their main crown will will start going up. And when you get it, when you plant, get the rest of the plant up, the crown will be looking sideways. Then the, the plant needs to go up again and it's just, just a mess. So once the tomatoes are actually a good size where you can put a clip, a clip is this. You can see it right there in this picture. It's a round uh, clip looking thing that attaches to uh, twine. And so we start way down here. Um, in, yeah, so there is, a, so start with one clip below the strongest leaf, making sure neither the line nor the clip is affecting the flower stem. Remember, the flower is that precious thing that you need to protect because the flower will give you the tomato. And if you're growing the tomato and you kill the flower, so why are you growing tomatoes? <laughs> so, so then that's, that's one thing you need to be very, very careful about. Um, now lowering the tomatoes once they reach the supporting line 
uh, which is the one on top. I don't have it here. Let me see if I can find one here. Okay, so the supporting line is this here, which is a strong wire on top, gauge, gauge 12. For those of you, of you that do constructions about gauge 12 or gauge uh, 10, and uh, you put it on top and you hang uh, then the lines, the twines from there. Um, so, and, and the reason why we don't, we, don't, we don't do two, we don't leave any suckers, we only do one vine is, is because of the following. It's because um, when it comes times to lower the plant, it's hard with two. So one will give us that. So lowering the tomatoes, once they reach the supporting line, skip two plants and place the first plant on the third. So you have three lines facing down, right? Uh, I mean, not facing down, <laughs> there. Uh, and then you take this plant, you will lower it. Some tomatoes will be on the floor, that's fine. And then you will put it here where that third plant was. It's a little bit, it's hard to imagine, but just, if you have any questions, just call me later on. Um, so, lower your tomatoes to halfway point. So if the tomato is up here, just lower them to about this much, okay, this low. Um, How do you lower it? Uh, let's see. Yeah, I know, I know this part was gonna be confusing. Okay. Okay, so let's say this is a plant of tomato. Sorry, audioverse audience. <laughs> right here, there's a plant of tomato. And let's say they are 16 inches apart. So that means the other one is here. The other one is here. We've already removed three plants out of the way and put it somewhere else in the meantime. So then what we do is that this plant, we go like this and we put it here. Yeah, so this stem, it's, the only thing that is there is tomatoes. That's it. And then we just low like this. Some tomatoes go on the ground, that's fine. Just don't let them get overripe, otherwise they'll rot. And then you will hang your plants of tomatoes right here. And then they will grow up again to that supporting line. And then you'll repeat the process about three times during that crop. Our tomatoes produce about six months continuously. Okay, and this is how you do it. I know it's hard to understand because even with students with the tomatoes in front of them, it's a little bit hard. So don't, don't feel, you know, uh, bad. Yeah, just come to our farming school that we're going to have our Eden Valley started next year in February. So... Come to our booth to find to have more details about that. The sorry. Oh yeah, yeah. That's okay. So I'm gonna go to factors to consider. My time is almost up, and then we'll just have questions. I'll give you one minute. Sorry, this. Uh, so time of the year. Uh, consider that in the fall. I'll tell you, in the fall, it's a lot harder to grow tomatoes and anything else. Why? Because the bugs are out, very strong, looking to lay eggs. They're in survival mode, making sure that the next generation comes up. And 
you will have no chance with them. I mean, they're aggressive. Um, so they're everywhere. Okay, so they know that fall is coming, winter is coming, they're all gonna die. And if they don't lay eggs, if they don't eat, I mean, everything is very aggressive in the fall. Um, the other thing is in the spring, it's a lot better um, for many reasons, which we don't have the details to go into it. Uh, soil humidity as well. Just make sure that your soil drains well, that it's not swampy or that it's not sandy either. So those are things you have to consider. On-time fertilization. Um, remember, you have to fertilize at the right time, at the right stage of the, of the crop. Stress before and after transplanting. This is one thing that, remember, I mentioned about the seedlings. If your seedlings aren't doing so well, if you have a plant this big in a, in a seedling and another one this big, throw that seedling away. Just replant it because you will start your crop stressed. And, and then you will have a stressed crop and it just not is not going to produce like it's it's a headache for the farmer so uh, just remember that um, always plants can get stressed and one of the main reason of stress is actually watering and so make sure the humidity the moisture in the soil it's 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 good so anyways this was quite a topic I only ha had an hour and uh, if you want to learn more about it just come to our training program at Eden Valley starting in February, you can come to the booth and find out more about it. We're officially done, but we're well, Q&A question. Questions? So, for those of people who want to do market gardening, yes. how much can you make per week with farmer's market? And what's the percentage that the tomatoes account for that? So, when it comes to market, um, you have main crops. And tomato is one of them. Uh, how many tomatoes would you eat in a week? Four or five. Four or five? How many bundles of cilantro would you eat in a week? One. <laughs> okay. So, so you identify these crops and these products, and that's what you go for. But tomatoes, in our case, it's about 40 to 50% of our total sales. And our total sales is Yeah. So our total sales for market... Um, yeah, so <laughs> yeah, 14,000 a month, a week, sorry, a week. Uh, that's what we do. And uh, yeah, so we, our, our average sales per market, it's about $23,000 a day and we go to five markets. So we have greenhouses that are 30 by 96 and, and then we have others our average size is 30 by 96 and we have we have one of 90 of 30 by 200 we have another one that is 30 by 96 we have another one that is 14 by 28 and another one that is 14 by 20 and then we have another one of that size and we're finishing another one um, that it is 40 by 120 and that will be finishing up this spring by God's grace. And we're going to be doing a lot better this year. Y yes, yes, yes. I was just going to say, if people are confused about the trellising system, a lot of people call it the lower and lean method. Okay. You can look up videos online. It'll, make, it, it'll make sense. Yeah. So, 
Uh, you had a question? So what happened to grafted tomatoes? Grafted tomatoes? Yeah. We do grafting tomatoes. It's a great method and um, it works, yes. Uh, I, re I recommend grafting. Then there is a, uh, yep, yeah. ma'am? Uh, Big Dana. Big Dana. The company I use, uh, I don't get paid by saying this, the company I use is Johnny Selected Seeds. I don't use any other company. Why? I can plant, plant $5,000 worth of corn. If it didn't come up, I call Johnny. In two days, I have my seed back. And so it's warrant, you know, it's, it's, it stands by. So that's, that's, that's important for me because you know this order for our farm our our seed only alone was seven thousand dollars so you know i i i need to i need to know where i put my money and so um so many hands i'm sorry we'll start from the front to the back yes can excess soil moisture cause excess air humidity yes c correct yes um that's one of the main reason like uh south it's it's humid is because of the amount of water in the soil. What have you been getting in terms of production per plant? Per plant, it's about twenty-eight pounds. <coughs> yes. Uh, yes, Miss the dog. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, where? Uh, actually, good again. We come back to you. Okay. Go ahead, and then we'll go back to you. How do you avoid killing the uh, beneficial insects with the bee oil? Yes. Okay. When we have beneficial insects, we're very careful not to spray anything else. So it depends what you have. Um, for example, like bees, we like if I'm gonna spray it next day, I just close the door for them and they don't come out that day. And and then when I spray, there's nothing, you know. And then because what we spray has to be as well in accordance with what you have in there. So like a greenhouse that we have, we just packed with beneficial insects. In that greenhouse, we don't have problems. We don't spray. Now, a greenhouse, we put beneficial insects, but it still went out of control, so we had to just spray. And then this, this year, as soon as I see a glimpse of something, I put in lots of beneficial insects, and hopefully I don't have to spray. Um, yes? When you graft, do you graft every one of your tomato plants, and what do you use as the root stock for grafting? Yes, so grafting, it's like a new, like a different topic. That can take an hour, but the basics is you use a rootstock, which is a strong, wild variety. A variety that has a lot of vigor in it, a variety that's strong, that disease resistant, a variety that just, it's great. Usually, it's, um, it's like a wild plant of tomato that it's just, just, just great. Um, there are only like three varieties for rootstock that is recommended. So, and then you graft your plant on it. Um, yes, sir. After identifying a plant that is diseased and you're going to eliminate it, yes. do you cut it clean at the ground and get rid of that, or do you uproot it? And if so, how do you protect the other root systems that are perhaps in percolation? Right, so, so what I do is that I, I uproot the plant on my way out, I make sure that it doesn't touch other plants, and then I spray everybody else, everyone else, yeah, all the plants. Uh, okay? Is 
Okay, good. So, and that's a great question. Thank you. For farm, in a farm, you need to have a break. You need to have a season. So for us, comes November, we cleared our greenhouses. We clear them like there's nothing there. We rototill them. We uh, add our amendments if we need to add any. Uh, we just leave them there throughout the winter, resting. And, uh, and then now in the spring, we come back to it. We add a, um, um, we add a solution to activate the microorganisms and to like give them a boost. Then we make our beds and we plant. Yes. And, and we have tomatoes. We have tomatoes from May all the way to the end of November. And so, yes. Salt. So you will have salt problems in 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 uh, two in in two different cases. Either your area has a high volume of salt, or you use a lot of fertilizer that are high in salt. Yeah. So so if you have a problem of salt in your area, I would recommend you to switch more to like a lot of micronutrients and an organic fertilizer that don't have salts in them. So if you're, if you're getting produce in May, are you planting in January? I mean, when do you We're, my first seedlings in the greenhouse starts in February. February. Yeah. Okay. Actually, when I get back from this conference, I put my first seedlings of tomatoes. Okay. Uh, I have another question here. Yes. And then I'm, I'm coming this way. Uh, temp so temperatures in the greenhouse, um, we keep them at, during the summer, 80 to 85 degrees. Heating, it's about 65. That's, that's about it. Yeah. And then, yes. Um, do you buy every year your seeds or do you save them? I buy them every year. And because I don't recommend this, Meaning it's not something like a home grower have to do, but I am supplying for a bigger market and I need to make sure those seeds actually will do what they're supposed to do. And so I Right. Yeah. I Right. There are methods of doing. I, you know, I can't talk about that right now. How to make fertilizers? But yes, I know how to make fertilizers. Do make uh, um, having our own seeds. That's something that in the future, you know, we'll be exploring. But right now, this is where we stand. Do you teach that? Yes. <laughs> yeah, we do. Uh, and if you want to be an apprentice this year, you can. We still have opening. Um, and that is to work with us on the farm, and in the process, I'll teach you as much as I can. Yes, and then we'll go to you. Do you sell direct wholesale to other markets? How, how do you market yours? So the way we do is that we actually go to farmer's market. We go to farmer's market, and uh, that's, that's how we sell all our produce. We have great markets around, and that's, that's what we do. You can do online as well. And so... Yeah. <laughs> so microorganisms are in pretty much anything that is like decomposing. 
Right, so they are liquids already that they sell with that. I use a product that the advanced eco ecosystem has, yes. Um, but technically, like for example, if you want to make one, I can tell you a quick recipe. Like you can just put, um, you can have like cow manure, and then you can put uh, milk, cow milk, and then you can put molasses. Mix that in after a week. Just put that over your compost, over your bed, and then it should be good. Yeah, <laughs> we will. We will have. A, yeah. It's, Huh? I'm sorry? Yeah, advancing. They have it. You'll see it. And you can call them. They're very friendly people. They, they will tell you everything. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but again, these products, like if you go and search on the organic, grownorganic.com, they will have these products. Okay, there's not. You know, I'm telling you where to go, and yeah, I'm sorry. I don't. I, it's not like I don't want to say information, but it's the time is short. Yes. Correct. Yep. Um, I so I tend to every time I fertilize, I, every time I water, I fertilized, or you can fertilize once a week, whichever you prefer. It's a soluble organic fertilizer. Yes. So it, yeah. Um, we buy a box uh, of that, which lasts about six to eight weeks, and that's all we need. And so we're planning on putting, we're planning to have a system now where we can have our own bees pollinate our greenhouse. But in the meantime, we do bamboo bees. Yes. Yeah, so one last question. No. The, yeah. Yeah, they, so what bumblebee, the way the bumblebee works is that they actually, um, when you put them in there, you, they just, they, they, they just kind of explore the area. And then they just make like uh, their own boundaries. And they don't, they don't try to go out to the fans. Yeah. So anyways, well, thank you everyone. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.